Promotional consideration paid for by the following. StevieRichardsFitness.com. Join the SRF resistance today. Russo'sBrand.com. Get the real shoot from the most controversial personality in wrestling, Vince Russo. Lethal Vendetta. Hailing from Sydney, Australia, this band comes armed with the ultimate artillery, a precise and highly effective blend of thrash, groove, and traditional metal which pays homage to the great metal titans that have come before them. Check out lethalvendetta.bigcartel.com and download their music on all digital media outlets. The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. It is Wednesday, November 13th, 2019, and you are tuned in to HTM Sports, presented by the HTM Podcast Network, online, hittingthemarks.com, as well as Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to HTM Sports. It's me, it's me. It's that R, the B, to the V, Rick Vickery, and Michael Jargo. Here on hashtag HTM Sports, the uh, the motto of the day, the lesson program out there is to persevere. I know we're both uh, we're both battling a little bit of illness. We're both feeling not like ourselves, but this this is a hot run. There's hot news happening from around the world. Professional sports. We had to get the show out there. We didn't want to delay it. Let's not wait for it. Let's jump right in. We've got some hot topics. I've also had very, very little sleep today, so bear with me here, ladies and gentlemen. Wanted to start things off, Huckleberry, with the rankings for the Bowl Championship Series, the college football playoff, whatever the hell it's called this year. Uh, we have a little bit of a shakeup here at the top, and I know that you got to be looking at this thing the same way I am. Kind of run through the top eight here real quick. LSU. Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia, your top four. On the outside looking in, Alabama falls to number five after getting beaten down by LSU. Six, Oregon, seven, Utah, number eight, Minnesota. The biggest jump that I think I've ever seen inside of these rankings. Huckleberry, what do you think? Did the committee get this thing right before we actually jump into it? Well, I was going to say, you know, Tuesday inside of itself, tacos, NWA power in the college football playoff rankings Tuesday is is by far my favorite day of the week now. Look forward to what we've got going on Tuesday evening. But the, you know, to look at the committee here, once again, we put them over last week for their brilliance. Controversy continues to create cash. They are selling an entertainment product here, and that's exactly what they've done again. Bravo to the committee. You've got people talking. You've, you've got hot debates people that are upset that aren't realizing what this is all about. They position this thing where they almost know it's going to work itself out again. But as we get closer to the end of the season, we've got some of these big matchups still to come, especially in these, in these conference championship games, there's a few decisions in there. You know that that committee is, they're, they're kind of sweating bullets. They don't want to be faced with those decisions uh, they're hoping this thing will play out nicely for themselves. Yeah, I think it's going to, too, kind of as we get closer to this thing. Start things off with number one, LSU, who toppled Alabama 
at Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Huckleberry, I have been on this train for most of the season. I have been saying LSU is the best team in the country. They go into Tuscaloosa, put up 33 points in the first half. I couldn't freaking believe it. What do you make of the LSU Tigers? Are you a believer now in the LSU Tigers? Hey, I said we could always have the debate. I'll still stand by my Buckeyes. I think if they if they line them up, they strap them on. Does that sound kind of weird? Football wise, there you're perverts. <laughs> if they if they line up, if they line them up to knock helmets, with it again. All right, you know if they play a game today, I still think the Buckeyes handedly take care of the LSU Tigers. But there is no doubt how good they are, and the committee has recognized that big win after big win. And, and you know, and their their schedule has has played out for them perfectly there. Where on the other case, in Ohio State's, you know, to kind of, I guess maybe not the fence, but if you're looking at this from Ohio State's perspective, when we were looking down the schedule at those big potential games that were going to be statements to say, okay, you're neck and neck with LSU, those teams have letdowns within a week or so of playing the Buckeyes. It's almost like they're, they're, they're so afraid of the Buckeyes that they start peeing down their leg a week or so early and they're letting these lesser teams take advantage of them. You know, I put out there last week on social media, Minnesota winning is bad business for the Big Ten, and it's especially true for the Buckeyes because you wanted a very powerful, a very respected Penn State here in two weeks, and we're not going to get that. That win's not going to look as impressive. So when the committee is breaking that down and they're looking at those big wins, especially in that week, who's going to take the edge at number one? Ohio State's not going to have a whole lot of firepower, and I know I keep I keep getting the rebuttal, but if they get Minnesota in that championship game and they're undefeated, I'm excusing all that. That is great for the Gophers. They're having an amazing season, but they are not going to get the respect out of Minnesota that you're going to see on a national level. I'll still stand by. Minnesota even somehow wins this Big Ten undefeated. They They could be left out. I could see them leaving an undefeated Big Ten champion out for a one-loss powerhouse out of the LSU. Or out of, out, of, out of the SEC, out of the SEC. I didn't mean LSU. I mean, it could be any of them, LSU, Georgia, Alabama. I, I'm terrified that even if Minnesota wins out, and we will talk about Minnesota on this show, um, that they're still going to get left out because of the way that this thing is positioned with LSU at one, Georgia at four, and Alabama at five. Obviously, if everything holds up the way that it is right now, LSU is going to have to play Georgia. I think Alabama gets into the top four that way. If Georgia somehow wins that game, I think LSU is going to stay inside of that top four. And I think a one-loss LSU team or a one-loss Alabama team is going to be a whole lot sexier on national television than what Minnesota is going to be at an undefeated record. Well, and we are looking at, too, I mean, there is the human element. And as we, we say each and every week, they are selling an entertainment product here. I don't think, you know, somebody, if Georgia wins the SEC, uh, that's going to be one of those situations that the committee is dreading. They're going to have to make a decision. Let's say Georgia wins that thing. I think that second SEC school, it comes down to what the final score, how dominant of a win Georgia has if they win that championship. Let's say let's say Georgia wins. Handle, let's say Georgia okay. wins and it's thirty-five to twenty-eight Georgia over LSU. Do you think that they're going to drop LSU out of that top four? That's what, I, that's what I'm saying here. I think LSU would get that second SEC spot. 
Bama then would suffer. I don't think they're going to get three teams into you know from the SEC. I mean, you want to talk about it's just complete outrage throughout the nation here. Yeah. Uh, it, they're they're going to have to have the conversation if this happens. I just don't think they do it. But if Georgia, let's say, wins that thing forty-two to twenty-one, then they can make the argument. Okay, LSU barely got by Bama. Let's give them an opportunity to get into this thing. You know, they they've got the history. They multiple time champs. That could be the argument there for Alabama to slide in over LSU if Georgia would if Georgia would win that thing. Perfect scenario though for the for the committee and the SEC is just to have LSU win this thing, and then you got Bama and LSU going in there, and you're hoping for that big rematch. Uh, outside of that, if we're looking, obviously Clemson take care of business here. You're a little, I don't know, maybe uh, you're looking at this week as a big challenge for them with Wake Forest. I think that's going to be a cakewalk. They've got some statements to make here. They're going to cruise to this playoff. Then outside of you know, we start looking at that fourteen. Is there one loss from the Big 12 without a championship game? Or they are selling entertainment as they rightly put over. Do they want that Western flavor? Could that be Oregon or Utah? I think if one of them gets in, it's going to be Oregon, but I don't think it's going to happen. We'll talk about why here in just a second. Uh, you, you mentioned the November 23rd game against Penn State for Ohio State. Rick, on an outside chance... I'm looking at them at number nine. They would need a little bit of help, but if Penn State can win that game and if Penn State goes on to win the Big Ten championship, does Penn State have a case to get into this thing? Well, if they could find their way here, uh, if Penn State could win that thing, they get the tiebreaker. Obviously, that puts them back in the driver's seat. If they can go back and avenge that loss to Minnesota in the championship game, I think you do have at a one-loss Penn State, you do have a sexy enough selection and enough national attention to justify, you know, a Big Ten getting in there. My only worry is, you know, with the Big Ten and everything, you know, here in Buckeye country, we believe that, the, you know, the buck stops here, fun intended. Ohio State's going to cruise through this thing, but, and that's from the very, very faithful up here in northern Ohio. There's some things of worry there. You know, Michigan's playing good football. And it would – you want to talk about absolutely saving Jim Harbaugh's job if they could take this season from the Buckeyes somehow. Uh, you know, to be that blemish on that record, you know, as, after, you know, the recent hot wins of dominance at Notre Dame, uh, despite – you know, that mid-season where they kind of just fumbled everything away, that would possibly, you know, that's going to save him. And, you know, that's, they want nothing more than that. That's a trap game to me. Uh, the Buckeyes got a hell of a run here to take care of some business to make sure that they're in this playoff system. Uh, but I think, you know, get through these things. They're going to make you playoff tough and playoff ready to go in there against those big dogs in the SEC. Does a one-loss Penn State as Big Ten champions – get in over a one-loss Alabama team? I think simply because if Georgia would win that thing, you're looking at a potential of three SEC schools. I think at that point they would eliminate one of those programs. They're not going to put three from one into this thing. Clemson at number three, it sure looks like they're going to take care of business. It, I'm not necessarily high on Wake Forest this week, but I do think this is going to be the biggest test that Clemson is going to have for the rest of the season. Number four, Georgia, they still have a big one remaining too. And it's so funny, Rick, that I think the most like important team in the country right now is number 12, Auburn. Uh, 
Georgia is going to play at number 12 Auburn this Saturday. It's a 3.30 game on CBS. Georgia is favored by two and a half points. Auburn could really throw a wrench into this thing. Yeah, absolutely. If you're looking at uh, one game to keep your eye on this week, this is absolutely it. Auburn coming here and can completely shake this system up. And we could be having a completely different conversation next week. And then Alabama has to go to Auburn for the Iron Bowl on November 30th. So that's going to be a big game. That's not a give me for Alabama either. Uh, absolutely not. You know, and it's, you know, there still is a lot of football left to play. You know, even inside, you know, before we get to the conference championships, we could see this landscape completely, completely change. The other thing that Auburn does have, they have a win over number six Oregon. Going back to the first game of the season, August 31st, Auburn beat Oregon 27 to 21. Rick, Auburn is all the way down at 12. Is there a chance for Auburn to find their way into this playoff if they can beat Georgia, if they can beat Alabama, go on to win the SEC? Can they make that jump eight spots? I mean, you talk about a major jump here for for Minnesota this past week. How many losses would that give? Would that give uh, Auburn if they ended up running this running this guy? They would be a one loss SEC champion. Uh, yeah, I and mean, then they get into that situation. That that's theirs to claim. That just seems like a long way to climb. Oregon at six. That's where things start getting interesting with Auburn because if Auburn can win out, I think they get in before Oregon, even though Oregon's all the way up at six. Utah at seven, I think that's an absolute nightmare for the committee. I think they want to keep Utah as far out of this thing as possible just because they're not going to draw ratings. And then there's Minnesota. Rick, Minnesota jumps. Well, you know, well, Go ahead. Well, just sorry to cut you off there, Jugger. I mean, out there in the pack, uh, I mean, it could be out of their hands for a one loss. Uh, because those those two teams are going to square for that championship. Yep. Um, and then there's Minnesota. Uh, Rick, Minnesota is all the way up to number eight. And if Minnesota is going to find their way into this thing, they are going to have to earn it. And it starts this Saturday. They take on number 20 Iowa at Kinnick Stadium. I'm not just saying this because I'm a homer. This is a huge game every year. No matter how bad Minnesota is, no matter how bad Iowa is, they're playing for Floyd or Rosedale. There's a trophy on the line. It's a rivalry game. Iowa favored by three at home over number eight Minnesota if Minnesota can get past them, then they got Wisconsin. Then they're going to have like an Ohio State or a Penn State. Rick, Minnesota's going to have to earn this thing. Uh, absolutely, and you know what? It's you know as I regularly have been putting over here, I just don't think that they're affecting enough selection for this committee. And it would be kind of a shame if they could go out here and run this gauntlet uh, because they will have absolutely earned everything. But as you said, uh, a tremendous rivalry, no matter what's on the line, a tremendous rivalry here with Minnesota and Iowa. But you got to believe now the stakes have never been higher in this game. No, absolutely. What? How do you feel about Iowa being favored by three? I mean, I, I realize they're number 20 in the country. Minnesota's up at eight. I still don't think Iowa's that good, but I was floored to see them favored in this game. And I think that speaks to the intensity of the rivalry. That those that are that are in the know are looking at this thing and knowing that this goes beyond a little bit of the rankings and where these schools you know just stand right now in 2019 and there, there's a lot of history here 
And looking back at, you know, who was able to hold their own on their home field, I, I believe Iowa holds, the, you know, holds that advantage. So that, that's where we're seeing this into this line. It's going to be interesting. That game goes down at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Fox. Let's talk a little bit about college basketball. Yeah, we haven't gotten to talk a whole lot of that outside of our Dukies just rolling. Last night, they go 105-54 to over Central Arkansas. That thing was just an absolute stomping. And there was another game that we thought was going to be an absolute stomping. Number one, Kentucky at home against Evansville. And Huckleberry, down go the Wildcats, 67-64 to on their home floor. The first team to be the AP number one and lose at home to an unranked non-conference opponent. Evansville was 25-point dogs. Rick, what in the hell happened to the Kentucky Wildcats? Well, was it something that was like the, the third the third biggest upset in like the last 25 years, something like that. Uh, some absurd number like that, but yeah, you're talking about the blue devils rolling. We are rolling on to the number one ranking in college basketball of course. And to see the disappointment, to, to see just the, the shock, you know, you don't want to take into account early losses in here. Nothing really matters till March. But, man, this one stings for the big blue nation. This is the kind of loss that's the difference in, like, you know, a one seed or a two seed or maybe a three seed. This is going to look really bad on their resume. But, Rick, I got to say, this is kind of scary because Evansville just gave Kentucky a chip on their shoulder. This is a dangerous team all the time, let alone a Kentucky team that feels they have to prove something this could actually end up working in Kentucky's favor. No, absolutely. This was like going down and losing to the, you know, the, to the 16 seed in the tournament. And we've seen how that played out. Yeah. Uh, absolutely put a chip on their shoulder. They would come back the next year, win a national championship. And now, you know, it is, it's, and it's going to be interesting to watch, to watch Kentucky here, how they bounce back from this thing. Uh, absolutely. You know, it, it's just not devastated, it's embarrassing. But there is so much basketball to be played. And as you said, you know, now, instead of usually where the Wildcats are the hunted, now they are on, on the hunt. Uh, they are out for domination. And they're going to show that this was just a once-in-a-lifetime fluke. And uh, you really don't want to be anyone in their way, uh, knowing the talent that they have in that program. Did you make anything out of Duke rolling Central Arkansas? I mean, they should roll Central Arkansas. I, this is just them taking care of business, right? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, this, this team isn't about, you know, the star power that we've seen over the last couple of years. And they're just so well-rounded. They're, they're playing great early basketball. They're hitting on all these cylinders here. And, you know, it's just you would think maybe that they would have held off here, but you know, you keep going, you, you don't pull back. You want to give, you know, you keep your flow, you keep playing and, and things were just working for them in this game. They were able to run up the score. I was impressed. This team could put up 105 points. I mean, we knew that this is going to be a defensive team. So holding central Arkansas to 54 didn't surprise me, but putting up 105, that's pretty impressive. Still, still looking at this thing, December 3rd, Michigan state. It's going to be a big game. Uh, let's let's stay with the NCAA for just a little bit here. Uh, we got to talk about a couple of suspensions. 
Huckleberry, first, this James Wiseman deal that's going on at Memphis. For those who haven't heard, evidently the reason that he has been ruled ineligible is because going back to 2017, Anthony Hardaway moved his family from Nashville to Memphis. It cost $11,500. The problem here is, while Penny Hardaway was not the head coach of Memphis at the time, Penny donated money to the university in 2007. So that technically made Anthony Hardaway a booster, and that's what they're nailing this kid on. It's nothing against the university. It's nothing against Coach Hardaway because he was not the head coach at the time. The university is not going to be punished outside of maybe having to vacate the couple of wins that they have while Weissman was on the floor. Rick, what do you make of this entire story? Any chance this kid just gets this thing thrown out? Because it just seems absurd to me. Well, you know, there's there's a few different ways of looking at this one, and is and this is going to get very tricky. And I thought the timing of these two, you know, recent major issues. There's been a few other ones out, out there. Uh, I know there was a, you know, one of the better players for Kentucky. I know that just that seems a little odd saying that for Kentucky football. Uh, he also. Uh, found himself in a little bit of trouble from taking a loan from a family friend who also happens to be a NFL agent. Um, so it, when you start getting into these gray areas here, yeah, absolutely with, with Penny, going back to great legacy there with Memphis. I mean, you would hardly be talking about Memphis basketball if not for Penny Hardaway. Agreed. And, and, and as a, you know, and as an alumni yeah, he probably he might not have been overly involved in the program. I'm sure he kind of kept an eye on it going on to the NBA. They, you know, great success. Uh, all, you know, we, we've talked about it here on the show. You know, what could have been for him, especially if him and Shaq could have gelled and stayed healthy down there. We could have been talking about one of the greatest duos of all time. It, it's, it's not surprising to see that he would get back to to the program or to the university, even if he wasn't overly involved in the athletics or you know the the educational side of things there, but that does qualify him as a booster. And then you, I would really be interested in seeing where else he was involved. How much total did he give outside of, you know, just the thing that's being reported from the one donation and then helping with the family. And then does that play into, was there any talk or consideration back then of him becoming the coach? How much did the influence of him moving this family, how much did that sway this kid to go play at Memphis? Who else was recruiting him? What do they have to say about this matter? You know, James, I don't, we're not getting a whole lot of substance out of this situation. Yeah, and there's so many unknowns, you know, and, and like there's no way that we're ever going to find out that Anthony Hardaway knew that he was going to become the coach of the Memphis Tigers in 2017 when he mo- made this arrangement. Like, could he have known it? Absolutely. But there's no way for us to know that. When did he move the family there? In 2017. He didn't take over the program until this year. Well, I mean, maybe that was the plan. Maybe they were waiting for something like that. Uh, they were waiting for some of these connections that Penny had. And, and you know, this, this brings up the bigger issue. I, I'm not so much worried about harping on uh, a coach, a would-be coach, a booster, a player right now. I'm looking at the NCAA. Are they trying to flex muscle right now because they know what's looming? And you and I talk regularly, you know, off air about this this player payment system that's coming in. There's a lot there that people don't understand. We just don't know. They don't know themselves. 
those that are proposing it, that are writing this thing, they don't know this yet. This thing could be an absolute disaster. And I, I don't know right now, this is the NCAA. They know they're about to lose a lot of control if they're trying to flex a little muscle right now, or they're actually trying to make examples of showing you how things could get exposed. The other thing I want to know is what is the timeline on being a booster? He donated to the university in 2007, 2008, and we're talking about something that happened in 2017. So how long between the time that you give money to a university, like at what point are you no longer considered a booster? Well, you know, again, at that point, I want to know that's all everything that he's given. I'm, I, I would almost be certain. I would bet that he didn't, that that's not the only time he's given back to that university. It's intriguing. Uh, the other big uh, suspension that's going on right now that people are talking about is Chase Young from the Ohio State University. Uh, Huckleberry, Chase Young is a one hell of a football player. As somebody who just watches Ohio State f- from a distance, you can tell how good this kid is. Uh, originally, when I had written this run, they were expecting that this was going to be a four-game suspension, and I was going to grill you about how that defense is going to look for these four games. But, Rick, just before we started recording, I saw it came across that he's only going to be suspended for one more game. He will be back in time for Penn State. That's a big get for your Buckeyes. Yeah, you know, the feeling before the announcement here, she said news just breaking on this, is going to have to miss this Rutgers game. Hell, with the way this team's playing, they can run you and I out there to fill his spot against Rutgers. Yeah. And they'll probably, you know, and they're going to cruise on the victory, get ready for that big Penn State game, looking towards Michigan and the, the Big Ten Championship. But, but, you know, the, the thought was before this news dropping, it was going to be a four game, which you know, essentially leaves him out the rest of the season. And it was just going to be go into, go into draft mode. Go ahead, sit this thing out, uh, and just get yourself ready for the draft. Go get an agent, start, you know, working your numbers, start getting ready for the combine. Uh, but, yeah, big news breaking here in the Buckeye State that we're going to have an absolute stud and anchor on that defense ready to go for this run. Now, why don't you explain to people exactly why he was suspended? Well, again, this is another situation. Uh, there's, there's so much going on with inside this entire thing. It, a lot of things we just don't know. I mean, because the way that this seems to me, the reason that he was suspended is the same thing that they just legalized. It's going to start happening in 2021 with this fair pay to play thing. I This is going to open up a whole can of worms. You're going to see this left and right. Is that why the suspension was shortened down to one game? Because they were like, these rules are ridiculous when they're not going to exist in two years. Well, I think, you know, again, it goes back to what I was talking about. They don't know what they're getting into. Is this the NCAA trying to flex their muscle? Simply, it was, you know, getting a loan. uh, It was like a $1,500 loan, right? Yes. And then then begging the question, how, how is it paid back? And where are these funds? Where are they moving from? Who is supplying them? You get into a question of a student athlete, you know, where are they coming up with this 1500 And in two years, it's going to be real easy. Oh, yeah, I sold in my jersey. Yeah, I, I sold my name and likeness. I showed up for a charity dinner. Yep. Yeah, this is going to open a whole can of worms, man. I mean, even like, you know, the 18th guy on the bench at Ohio State is going to be making $1,500 a game. And as and as we get more developments out of this thing, you and I, you know, we had a great conversation off air last night. 
and we didn't really want to bring it to hashtag HTM sports because we don't know. I mean, we could just talk in circles for an hour or so about possibilities. You know, we threw out there, okay, when do you eventually get to a point where Nike, Coke, and AE buy powerhouse schools around the country and destroy all these conferences and start a super conference from coast to coast? I mean, it, it, that could be, you know, that could be like from the the master mind, the, the twisted mind of Dr. Frankenstein, that we could see that coming to college sports. How long until Nike just decides, you know what, screw the NCAA, we're going to start our own league and we'll bring in all these teams and we'll pay all these players this much money and we don't need the NCAA, screw them. It's an outdated institution to begin with. Becomes AAU basketball. It's a mess. Well, and, and yeah, and we've already talked about this regularly. Is where are those ties going to be? Who? And you talk about boosters and all this. You get some of these big power players that that love love sports. Hey, wait, wait until Vegas starts buying some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. UNLV is going to be one of those interesting schools to watch once this thing. Uh, really, really starts up. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Don Cherry. Uh, for, for our non-Canadian listeners, uh, Don Cherry is a gentleman who has been inside of the world of hockey for about 40 years, and he has a segment called The Coach's Corner on Hockey Night in Canada. Huckleberry, Don Cherry had that position. Um, he went and he got himself in a little bit of trouble, basically for coming out and saying, hey, you people should be supporting our troops. Um, by, by, they, they do remembrance day up in Canada and they all wear poppies in honor of the, the fallen soldiers. Don Cherry got a little bit worked up and I know you had something to say about this. Well, absolutely. This is one of those things you regularly see this here in the States. We don't get so much of a taste of it outside of our own nation. Uh, but yeah, there, we know they, 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 this cancerous movement, these social cracks, these snowflakes, they have infected Europe. Uh, now they're, they're above us. They're all over Canada. We are seeing it in the forefront of their news, of their sporting news. You know, the big question, do you, do you stand with Mr. Cherry? And in his comments here, you know, he simply, as you said, John, was pointing out, you know, we've had all these, you know, individuals who have wanted to come to Canada, who want to live here for the, their tremendous lifestyle, for what the country gives to them, all the advantages that, that they're allowed, the freedoms that they're allowed there in Canada. And he simply requested that you show a little respect to the individuals that served in their military services, who sacrificed their all, or today, you know, who could give it all at any moment to make sure that those freedoms exist. He just simply asked, that that be honored and that be respected. And in turn, he is called a racist. He is called a bigot. And they have demanded his, his head on a, on a block, on the chopping block. I absolutely, I, I want anyone out there to be able to, in any sense, explain to me how this makes sense. How simply using a term, you people, or when you come here, falls into any racist category at all. If anything... And this is the same thing when there's when they jumped on President Trump about go back where you came from. That's racist. No, those are nationalities. It's not racist. Here is the quote for those who didn't hear it. You people love 
They come here, whatever it is. You love our way of life. You love our milk and honey. The least you could do is pay a couple of bucks for a poppy or something like that. These guys pay for your way of life that you enjoy in Canada. These guys pay the biggest price. The thing that got him in trouble was you people. That's what got him in trouble. I I completely understand what he's saying. I completely agree with his message. The way that he delivered it, the verbiage that he used in very left-leaning Canada. I mean, let us remember, this is a country that just re-elected Justin Trudeau for one reason or another, which I just do not understand. Neither do most of my friends in Canada. But as left-leaning as they are, as soon as he said, you people, their brain shut off, man. And they, they wanted his head before he was even done with that breath. Which is an absolute, it's an absolute disgrace. Uh, anyone on this network that was going to side with this, that would not take a stance or at least even give this to an open forum for discussion immediately to take his job away, to take that legacy that he is creating, the respect that he has earned, you know, not just amongst colleagues and the players in the league, but the fans themselves, the people of Canada, absolutely a disgrace. And another reason why Canada, you people in Canada, you suck. And I'm not talking about any race. I'm talking about a nationality. This is an absolute all around. It's just, it's a detriment to society. And it is cancerous and the social crap, the snowflake bullshit has to stop. I mean, basically to equate this to American terms, just so our American fans and and listeners can understand the importance of Don Cherry, this would basically be the equivalency of John Madden going on Monday Night Football and sticking up for President Trump at this point. They'd be calling for his head, even as much as people love John Madden. And I know that and you know that. That's just the way our society has become. Is it absolutely disgusting? Yeah. I, I completely it's agree. Even, it's, it's not that he was even sticking up for the leader. Wasn't he like an equivalent to Trump? He's sticking up for the armed forces, people that have sacrificed their life, individuals that fought in all the major wars, that have uh, that, uh, been allies for the longest time of us here in America, that have fought side by side with us, that are out there with our troops, and to simply request that they honor their service and to have this all come back and thrown in his face because some people want to get their panties up in a bunch and can't get over themselves. Absolutely. A, a, a travesty in sports and society as a whole. Do you have a favorite John Madden quote? Oh man. There's so many. I, I have There's two. So many. I have two. Uh, 90% of the game is half mental. That's, that's one of my personal favorites. Uh, the other one, and I'll never forget this. It was on an episode of Monday Night Football, and he's explaining the running scheme, right? And he goes, right here, you got the A gap, and you got the B gap, and what you're going to do is you're going to take the ball, and wham, right up the A hole. God bless, John. There you man. go. I, I, always, I always just remember the holy roller, and <laughs> I always looks like I think he had like four heart attacks. But one more, th- one more thought on that, you know, is we're talking about major props to, to Mr. Cherry, who did not back down. No, he, he doubled down regret, on it. Said he did not regret what he said. He stands by it, that he wants people to to salute the troops, to stand beside them, and he would not issue an apology. He would not double you know, double down and become a part of a system that he does not believe in just to keep a job. Let's talk about some more scumbags. I'm talking about the Houston assholes. I mean, Astros. Uh, Huckleberry, it has come out 
that the Houston Astros are stealing signs via a camera in the center field wall that is piped into the Houston Astros dugout, and then they would beat on trash cans to tell the hitters what pitch was coming next. Um, There's a lot of different ways to look at this thing, man. Uh, But the biggest thing that stands out to me, why is this news? I, is, is it just because Mike Fires came out and, and actually said something? Because I feel like this is something we have known for years about the Houston Astros. Yeah, I think, you know, it's just because it's creating a headline. Headlining and controversy, again, creates cash. It, it's, it's Eric Bischoff makes the world go round here. It's absolutely true. I, you know, I was more stunned, not that the news that they were cheating, that there would be a whistleblower. Yeah, I, I've, I've got a belief that this is happening all over the league. And it's, it's a rule just as old as baseball. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. And Jordan, I know you told me that, that was kind of, you know, that meant stealing, you know, getting the second stealing sign. But they didn't have the technology available. As our society evolves, you're going to have the ways and the methods that you're trying to pick off an advantage from the other team. That's going to evolve as well. I got to feel this is happening everywhere. I just can't believe one of the frat boys would break the golden rule and go in a tell-all situation. Do you think this is a big deal? Like, does does this become the baseball version of Spygate? Or is this just going to get swept under the rug and everybody's going to feel the same way you do and be like, oh, yeah, you know, it's baseball. That's what we do. Hey, anything that gets people talking about baseball to me is good publicity outside of the playoffs. Yeah, damn, they need to do something with that game. But if you want to compare this to Spygate, then don't you just blueprint it and you just sweep this damn thing under the rug? You just no-sell it? I mean, I, I feel like this is actually a good thing for baseball because now we, we have a heel turn from the Houston Astros, right? Like, all of a sudden, the Houston Astros are going to be the villains of Major League Baseball. And coming from the pro wrestling world, we know that when you have a hero and you have a villain, that's when you get TV ratings. Hell, I want to see Houston get their ass whipped now, don't you? Well, you know, what you really do, and who's that front contender? Who did they take down? You've got a double turn of sorts. Does this make the evil empire the babies? Are your Yankees now going to be beloved that they can go hunt down the Astros next year? you damn right. All rise. The judge is in, and he's the judge, the jury, and the executioner, and we're coming for fucking Altuve, you little cocksucker, you cockroach. We're going to get you. We're going to get you. And, and you said it, 100%. How many Astro games are going to go to ESPN next year, are going to go to national broadcast next year? You bet. Because then they're going to have those cameras everywhere. They're going to be talking about this thing, and now you've got a new ultimate heel. Yep. You've got the team that everybody is going to hate. You've got your own Patriots. You, and even bigger than that, you somehow have turned the Yankees into this almost sympathetic figure. Perfect, perfect booking by MLB. They absolutely needed this story. Well done. All right, let's shift. Let's talk about the NFL. Uh, a couple of games that I want to talk on from last week. Uh, number one, the 49ers finally fall out of the graces of the unbeaten. They go down to the Seattle Seahawks. Rick, Russell Wilson just playing absolutely out of his freaking mind. 
what do you make of this? Like, is Seattle better than we thought? Is San Francisco not as good as we thought? I guess we do have to point out George Kittle did not play in this game. Emmanuel Sanders did not play in this game, but that didn't help when it came to, you know, Russell Wilson just going completely nuts on that defense. Well, absolutely. And I told you last week when we were prepping for this thing, this was a must-see game. This was the game of the week. And what did I say? I said this division. It still runs through Seattle. I thought they were going to go down there under the bright light to get this thing done. It was a hell of a shoot. That was everything you wanted. I mean, a ratings rager for the NFL. Monday night football. It's what they absolutely got. But Seattle made that statement. This division still runs through them. Great, San Francisco. You finally turned things around. You're that hot new girl on the block. Everybody's got their eyes on you. You were the last undefeated team. But we took care of business. We, they, they just, you know, they just reconfirmed it still comes through Seattle. Lots to talk about Lamar Jackson because he's putting up just absolutely stupid numbers. But for my money, Russell Wilson is still the MVP of the NFL this year. Huckleberry, at what point did the MVP races become all about stats? It, it's the most valuable player, not the best player. Well, and to me, I, I think you got to bring those in. And you and I differ a little bit. You're going back to last year's conversations when we would have these debates between Mahomes and and Luck. Yep. Where you really look at you're looking at what they're doing for their team. And to me, that's for a team MVP. This is the NFL, the league MVP. What are you doing for the league? And if you're creating excitement, you're bringing viewers in, you're getting people talking. That is the category, and it's all its own that elevates you. You know, over that competition, I think right now, I'm not taking anything away from Russell Wilson. He is having an incredible season. This guy is getting it done. He does this year in and year out. He's established himself, especially in that style where he's got this blend of that flash and then, that, you know, that substance that we see from like an Aaron Rodgers. You know, he, he's got the kind of the, you know, the, the best of both worlds there. But I think as we're looking at this right now in 2019, I'm going to give the slight edge suggestion. He's young, he's physical, he's athletic, he is just over-exceeding beyond the, the wildest expectations. I give him slightly the edge in that MVP race right now. Get at us at HTMPWPod on Twitter. Let us know. Who do you think is the MVP thus far of the NFL season? Let's talk about the uh, New Orleans Aints. That's not the Saints. It was the Aints. They get blown out by the Atlanta Falcons, quite possibly one of the three worst teams in football this year. 26-9. First time in Drew Brees' career in New Orleans. He's kept out of the end zone entirely during a home game. Rick, I, I this is just an anomaly, right? Like, what in the hell happened to the New Orleans Saints? You know, this is a week-to-week league. I wouldn't put so much stock in it. Obviously, they've got some concerns to address here, but sometimes you just go over it, and you can't get out of your own way. And that's absolutely what happened here. I like to regularly say, okay, we're talking about a team that takes a big loss. Let's talk about the team that beat them. Can we give them props? It's kind of difficult to do here. I mean, the Saints just played terrible football, and it's not what we've become accustomed to from this franchise. 
Falcons get Breeze six times for sacks. Saints had 12 penalties for 90 yards. And I think the big thing is, of those 12 penalties, six of them resulted in first downs. Four of them came on either third or fourth down to extend drives. That's just a recipe for disaster, even when you're playing one of the three worst teams in the league. Uh, absolutely. I, I made a comment before this game started. I was sitting around watching, you know, this afternoon games. We were out for a birthday party, enjoying a few cocktails. And, and I made the comments to the group, like, how can the Falcons be this bad? And, and as we're sitting there watching this game, it's like, wow. I mean, the Saints have really hit a low this Sunday, you know, letting the Falcons dominate them like this. Yeah, it's interesting, too, coming out of that bye week and the Saints just come out flat. That's a story to watch. Minnesota tops Dallas. The Cowboys have now lost four out of six. Rick, this is quite possibly the worst play calling that we have seen in the NFL this year. Jason Garrett, in the last year of his deal, I'm telling you, if the Cowboys miss the playoffs, if Philly ends up winning the East, because I think only one team from the East is getting into the playoffs, Jason Garrett ain't going to be in Dallas next year. Well, I think, you know, I've been regularly looking at this. I know we've got a lot of ball to play, but this is, you know, we're, we're gearing up for playoff football, and you're looking at these potential matchups. And even if Dallas could slide in here, they get to host that game, they would have Seattle coming down there. Ooh, that's and we're just talking game. about how incredible the Seahawks is, how incredible the Seahawks are. you got to believe that they could go in there and handle the Cowboys. But again, this is a tale of two teams. You just never know what you're going to get. They almost week in, week out for these things, but they're making a, it's a tendency of being that unfavorable Dallas team. that It's a really disappointing star for them right now. And this thing is all around. Performance on the field to the coaching. And you know that that water, I mean, it's got to get almost to a boiling point up in, up in the box. What is going on with Ezekiel Elliott? This week he had 20 carries. Okay. I, I You'd like to see him in that 20 to 25 range. He only had 47 yards. He's averaging like 2.2 yards a carry. What in the hell is going on with who a guy who's supposedly the best running back in the NFL? Like, are his pockets too fat? Is it weighing him down? Because Zeke don't look like Zeke to me. You know, your, your snow removal truck is only as good as the plow in front of it. And yeah. where they have been spending, where have they been cutting? Yep, it's that offensive line. You betcha. Man, I just... I, what was up with those play calls, man? I mean, my God, Dak Prescott was playing out of his freaking mind on Sunday. And so when it actually counts, they just turn and give the ball to Zeke? When Zeke is having an awful game? Why do they take the, the ball out of Dak Prescott's hands there? It makes no sense to me at all. Stupid. It's I, you just you really got to be questioning. If anything, we're talking about you know baseball fun off seasons. Uh, this cowboy off season could be one of those wild rodeo rides. Oh, pun intended down here because I, I got a feeling they're going to have quite a bit of buyer's remorse and and they're going to be out there interviewing a lot of individuals who is even going to be suited for that job that can come in here and manage the circus. God, I don't even know. Uh, speaking of circuses, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Huckleberry, all of a sudden, the Pittsburgh Steelers are 5-4. and four. They beat the Los Angeles Rams, 
Is Mike Tomlin the coach of the year? Like, I don't even know who's playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers at this point. They've lost everybody. And somehow, this team is 5-4. and four. I think a lot of times on Wednesday, they don't know who's going to be shooting up for the Steelers. I was looking at, yeah, as I was saying, looking at those playoffs, guess who's the sixth seed right now? Yeah. And guess who's one of those teams that you do not want to see in a postseason because that franchise has a history. They know how... They know how to win, and when they get there, they're very dangerous in the playoffs. As you said, I mean, this is a masterful job up there by Tomlin to hold this thing together out of the gate. Was it was 0-3. They didn't go in for it, did they? No, I think and it was they just 0-3. 0-3, and then they went in there and demolished. They, they demolished the Bengals Man, I just... on, a, on a primetime game. And, you know, and then they, they struggle a little bit here and there. Much What I like in sitting at 5-4, and four, there are a few games back here. They got a big game Thursday night, tomorrow night in Cleveland. People in Cleveland are really high on this thing. They're excited coming off of last week's big win. But just like the Seahawks, the AFC North runs through Pittsburgh, and that's a, that's a statement that holds true for the hopeful here in Cleveland. And it's a very true statement for them and be more. Cleveland favored by three in that matchup on Thursday night, which means Vegas basically thinks this is a pick if it was on a neutral field, but Cleveland gets the nod for home field. Uh, the Steelers have the best offensive line in football. It's ridiculous. They are just pushing people around. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, Mason Rudolph actually looks almost like a legit quarterback. We gave them all kinds of hell when they went out and made that trade for Minka Fitzpatrick. In this game, he returns a fumble for a touchdown, 43 yards. He is playing out of his freaking mind. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to the Rooney family. I'm sorry to Mike Tomlin. I'm sorry I ever questioned you. I should have known better. This was a hell of a deal for the Steelers. Absolutely. And it's off the real here. I mean, they're just playing a, a dump and go. If yeah. you look at his average pass, yeah, I, it's probably like under 10 yards. Yeah. And they're getting the ball to the playmakers. They're making precise decisions. Uh, they're moving the ball on the ground. They're letting, you know, the, they're using their legs up and down the field. And this defense has been incredible. They want to some playmakers. And you said that offensive line's just moving it. Special teams, they're finding a groove here and they're very dangerous. Keep your eyes on the damn Steelers. Yeah. Props to Mike Tomlin. Incredible. Uh, Patrick Mahomes returned this week. Yeah, went down to Tennessee and got beat by the Titans. Rick, what is wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs? You know, outside of when they lost Mahomes, everybody was, you know, that's the panic issue. That's what everyone's eyeing. But let's go back weeks before that. You're one of the first people to jump on this thing. They were exposed. The blueprint has been laid out there. Control that clock. Dominate in the trenches. And this is a very, this is a, a down-to-earth average team. Derrick Henry, yeah, remember him? Haven't heard anything about him in like three years. Goes off for 188 yards on the ground. Kansas City cannot stop the run to save their freaking life. Don't understand it. Andy Reid, now 1-8 all-time against the Tennessee Titans. Doesn't that just seem absurd? I was going to say, wow. Uh, I didn't see that stat out there. That is that stat of the day right there. Thank you, Jargo, the numbers man. 
Just absolutely crazy. So we talked a little bit about the playoff picture. Right now, here are teams one through eight in the AFC. New England, Baltimore, Houston, Kansas City. Those are your current division leaders. And then you have Buffalo, Pittsburgh as five and six. On the outside looking in, number seven, the Oakland Raiders. And then you have the Indianapolis Colts, who just got embarrassed this past weekend. Huckleberry, I'm feeling... Oakland right now. I, I feel like Buffalo is going to fall out of this thing, and your your two wild cards are going to be Pittsburgh and Oakland. Who had them in this thing this late in the season? So absolutely, you know Pittsburgh was in this conversation in the preseason, in large part, you know because you know they were healthy, and it's Pittsburgh to get things done. But then they're absolutely in, in everybody's head, you know, devastating injuries this year, but no more so in big spots than Pittsburgh, but they've made those moves. They've had, they had the depth to fill in those spots. Tremendous work there. The Raiders, I don't think they were on anyone's radar. We were expecting more of the soap opera drama that we had seen in the preseason than anything else, or then just to completely disappear. But there's a bunch of teams bunched up in there, right around there. Make that, make that wrestling comparison. And the NFL very much like WWE 50-50 50-50 booking all over, especially in that mid-card. Uh, there's going to be a lot of big games and a lot of big developments to watch on this stretch. It's the same thing in the NFC, 1-8. through eight. San Francisco and Green Bay currently sit with the buys. New Orleans at number 3, and then everything gets hairy. Currently, Dallas at number 4 because they hold the tiebreaker over Philly, who would be the 8th seed if they went eight deep uh seattle minnesota currently your wild card teams with the los angeles rams on the outside looking in as well as the philadelphia eagles but like we said one team is going to get in from the nfc east and it's either going to be philly or dallas they will be the four seed rick who do you like in the nfc and who do you think is just a pretender or does it go just like this one through six going into the playoffs yeah, you know, I, I still really like uh, my two favorites out of, of the NFC, and and when you get to playoff football, you're you're really you're firing on all those cylinders. It's rare that you're going to see a good team have a complete breakdown. Uh, I, I still really like Green Bay and New Orleans at the top of that thing, but not by a wide margin. Because again, you know, we see what what Russell Wilson can do here. I think, you know, it's all about positioning. And that's what's going to be so important for these top-tier teams in the NFC. Not so much on this mid-card, but, you know, who's going to be hosting games? Who's going to get those buys? If you're Green Bay and you can somehow get in there and take that home field, absolutely you love Lambeau running through the playoffs. Uh, you know, but that, their whole dynamic changes if they got to go on the road. And it all, you know, where do they go? Obviously, you got to believe they're going to play a little better down in New Orleans as, as opposed to going up to Seattle late in the year. Yep. Absolutely. So let's throw it over to the Stone Cold Locks. Hit me with it, Steve. Give me a hell yeah. All right, Huckleberry, I'm sticking with my plan. Here we go. I'm going with the Rams this week. And let's see, who do the Cleveland Browns play? Oh, yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Cleveland favored by three in that game. I'm going with Pittsburgh to just straight up win this thing. Who you got this week for your locks? Let me pull them up here. I have a little bit of an issue getting to my damn internet. A couple other interesting games while Huckleberry's loading here. Chiefs at Chargers on Monday night. 
That's a big game for the Kansas City Chiefs. It almost feels like a, a loser leaves town match. Uh, Patriots at Eagles. New England favored in that one by three and a half. Kind of like Philly in that game. No, actually, I did have I did have here. I have not used them yet. They are on my board. I was going to go with a big upset here. I was going to go with the Chargers. Uh, I, I think they're going to start making a move here, and, and I'm not, I, I really think there's a big issue in Kansas City. Oh, you get another one off top off top of your head. I mean, I'll just go with that if I haven't used them. Well, we've got Cowboys and Lions this week, which. Would it surprise anybody if Detroit beat Dallas this week? I actually think uh, I, I will. I will use that one. I still have Dallas available. Uh, I'm going to take them. I think they 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 write the thing here. I don't think the Cowboys are going to run off that too many losers in a row. And it's going to be one of those next week. We're going to be talking about where the hell did this team come from? One more plug for this week's show, Huckleberry. Do you, do you happen to have the standings there for our, our pigskin pick'em? I can pull them right up. I can tell you, you who's in first place. <laughs> I know who's in first place. It's me. It's me. It's not RBV. It's freaking me. I'm leading this thing still. Killing it this year. Been at the top of the I don't know why. all season. Now watch. I'm going to like pick like three games right this week. I don't know why this thing uh, is not loading for me right now. I, the ESPN site just is what's giving me the, the issues here, and I had it all propped up, ready to go. ESPN.com uh, sucks. That, but, but, but what I do know, you got you're, you're making a little room here. You, you've got a two game lead there. Uh, Singleton, who w- was on fire there just a couple weeks ago, rolled off that perfect week. He's had a bit of a letdown, but Horsley, he's right up there. He's still in the race. I was able to get back a little bit last week. Uh, it was it was a rough week for everybody. Uh, I know there was quite a few teams on by. There wasn't a whole lot of games to pick from, uh, but I think like the leader for the week, we got like six of them right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was week. kind of a rough week for everybody. Yeah, good thing we weren't playing Vegas, huh? So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then head over to the other platform that you may not be listening to, whether it be the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, or Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com. You'll be able to find us later on this weekend for the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. You can find me across all social media at NotJargo. RBV, how do the peeps, the freaks, the geeks, and the Steelers fans come looking for you? Well, for the rest of the evening, I'm going to be trying to keep my butt nice and warm. Toasty buns for the evening. Uh, but you can be sure I'll be out and about, probably on the town with our good old friend, Two Cabs. Johnny Schwartz, he's going to be all about that big Thursday night showdown. So I'll be all over that social media platform. Hit you up at the real RBV. And once again, getting quite a quite a bit of reaction there on Facebook, but trying to grow my, my Twitter following. So once again, at the real RBV. Trying to decrease my Twitter following. I even opened a second Twitter account just because there's too many damn people trying to talk about professional wrestling. And I'm just like, I don't want to talk about that. So we'll talk to you later on this weekend for the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, where I sit and talk about wrestling. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya!